0: Good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter three. As you turn there, let me say just a few things. If if you're one of our guests or maybe hadn't been here in a while, there's a few things uh, I just want you to know that happens every week, and and really just a part of who we are as a body. I don't generally do topical messages for holidays and special occasions and things other than Christmas and Easter. We're working through a passage of Scripture. That's usually the plan I follow. And, uh, and so today we're looking at what's next. Um, we do uh, a couple of things I want you to do, if, 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 you, if you would, uh, from your pastor. I want, you to, I want you to stay for the members meeting following the... Uh, I, there is some important things that's went on in our denomination that we need to talk about. Uh, and there's important things and exciting things that we want to talk about with, with where we're headed for the future. And so we want you to be a part of that. Uh, just as, as we orient ourselves to James chapter 3 on this Memorial Day weekend, I think it is fitting to be in James to where James says it is a combination of both words and deeds. Words alone does not keep our country safe nor free. It takes actions, it takes deeds that we are free and that we not, are not oppressed today. And, uh, and so we remember that, uh, those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. And so let us stand and let us be willing to do the same for the cause of Christ. James chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, working through verse 12. Verse 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we, are, we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among the members, staining the whole body, staining setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father. And with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring forth the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. It's just the word of God, let's pray. And so, Lord, now, help me, help us. It's been a tough few weeks in, the, in our nation. A tough week for Southern Baptist. Lord, you are holy. And so we pray that you would expose any secret sin among us. That there be no wicked way in us. Lord, the judgment may begin in the house of God so that we may be a pure people that bring glory to your name, not only by what we say, but how we live, how we love, how we are willing to protect the most vulnerable among us. Lord, we are in James for a reason, and we thank you for it. And so, Lord, let us receive this good word you have for your blood-bought people today, and let us apply it. Let us come to the cross. And receive the forgiveness and the hope that we need today in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. I was shocked, as many of you know, the news here lately to look up at according to CNN and a couple other news outlets, there have been 45 mass shootings this month. Did you know that? Some we never hear about because of where they happen. 214 this year alone. Just shocks me. The the pain, those represent families and family units and wickedness. How else do you describe it? Hatred. The chaos that this brings in communities and in families, death and pain and where it leads us ultimately, if we're not careful, is to a sense of hopelessness. Some of you may not know about this. I, I want you to stay for our members meeting because I'm going to talk about it directly. That we had the, a report from our own Southern Baptist Convention about wickedness and corruption and abuse and silence. And the judgment of God on all of it. And how many deaths and funerals did you hear about this week? This is the world in which we live, isn't it? Wickedness and death has plagued us from the beginning. Do you remember? It began with words. That's where we're at today. This whole thing began with God speaking, creating life. The devil speaking, deceiving and bringing what? Death, destruction. Here's the sobering thing James wants us to deal with in our own life. Within our own selves, we have the capacity to be able to create life or bring death. And it begins right here. This is central message and the simple application is a very simple one today. All things flow from the heart to the mind to the mouth to the deeds. You can see this in the shootings this week or with the SBC or in our own hearts. A simple application is very simple. Use your words. You ever say that as as your parents? Use your words, but use them to build up, to bless, not to curse. Make no mistake. God's going to have the last word. Uh, Let me just. Read it to you. Revelation 22, last chapter in the Bible. This is what the Lord says. Look, pay attention, heads up. I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He sees both the abused and the abuser. And he will have the last words. There is a power to our words. There is a danger. There is a double-mindedness sometimes that comes out of our mouth. And there is a challenge to say, we must come to the only one who can tame the tongue. So the power. Power of our words. Words come with responsibility. You can see that in verse 1. He starts where he should start with the leadership says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Notice the we. He's going, to, he's going to use that we again. In other words, you could say there is a limit or a high standard for which those who teach among us must be held. They played a key part in the leadership. Paul singles them out in Ephesians 4 verse 11 when he says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, fill the building up of the body of Christ. That word shepherds and teachers, most people think, are meant to be together. That's why an elder qualifications is that he be apt to teach. They are held to a higher standard. Listen. What Paul said to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20 and verse 26, he says this, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of you all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And so as he lived, he left them with the same responsibility. There is a limit of how many teachers should be among us because we will be judged with a greater strictness. That's what the text is saying. Be careful how many teachers you let. Just because you feel the itch to get up and say something in front of somebody, you better catch yourself because God is listening. That's what he's saying. I am not afraid of you, but I fear God. That's what he's saying. There's a judgment. He's only telling you what Jesus told him. Matthew 12, verse 36. He says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account. For every careless word they speak... For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. That word justified, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, means your, your words is part of your credibility. How your testimony is rendered credible is by what you say, and we will give an account, especially those among us. But why is it so important? Because what I am doing here is powerful. Teaching and preaching and you speaking... In your everyday life, whether it is to your children or to your grandchildren or to your co-worker or to your spouse, it is powerful. And here's the truth in verse 2, every one of us blow it. We all stumble. This is a struggle for all of us. Notice James is still using the we. He's saying, I struggle with this too, brothers and sisters. He's saying in the rest of the text, if you read it, this perfect man, this is the mature man, he's... He's saying a sign of maturity is when a person could control this thing. It's when they begin to think before they speak. The struggle with your mouth and mine is a lifelong struggle. It is a good struggle. We should struggle. The struggle is the sign of the presence of something inside of us that is fighting against something else that we want to do. It's It's a struggle. It's all of our struggles. The tongue can be a great source of good if it is controlled. And so he uses a couple illustrations. One is a horse and a bit. It's that that thing that goes in the back of a horse's mouth that that guides it, controls it. Look at verse 3. If we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. The struggle really... Begins with our mouth. Begins where? Let's back up just a little bit. It, it begins here. It begins in your mind. It begins with your thought. This is what... Listen to what Paul says. Second Corinthians 10, 5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when, our dis- when your obedience is com- complete. We, we teach this, don't we, as I'm preaching. I am asking you to catch that which I say and match it up with God's character and his word. And if it doesn't match, we spit it out. That which comes in, but also, listen, that which comes out. They both must be held captive. This is the only way that what we, once you comes out of your mouth, you cannot take it back. The usefulness of a horse is not simply his power. It is the fact that if that power is brought under control. You ever heard somebody talk about meekness? Meekness is not weakness. It is the fact that a person's strength must be controlled to be useful. Your usefulness in the kingdom depends on the fruit of the Spirit called self-control. Grab this, the usefulness. Think about this illustration of a horse and a rider with the bit and bridle. Our usefulness to our master is dependent on our submission to him. James is pointing to something here, and we're going to get to it. Something we need desperately in this battle. He he tells us even more clearly this idea that such a small thing can have such power. He talks about a ship and a rudder in verse 4. He says, the ships are large They're driven by strong winds. You see that? Life is tough. We are powerful. Look at all of us. But we are guided. We are directed by something very, very small. And that thing, that rudder, is our mouths. The effectiveness of this instrument is what he's getting at. In other words, what's going on in the life of the church is a mouth that is spreading discord among the body. Our words are powerful. That's what he says in verse 5. He's summarizing all of it here where he's got to this point. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Your mouth is powerful. My mouth is powerful. The point, you see, listen, this is important Important for you watching the news today, you heard this whether you realized it or not. Our words drive our deeds. You control one, you control the other. If you don't control one, don't be surprised where the other leads you. Think about this, the mass shooting. When they begin to investigate that, where do they always go in that person's life to investigate first? Social media. Did you notice that? They always go look at the social media. Why is that? Because nobody wakes up one morning and just, destry, just decides to destroy their life or destroy somebody else's life. It began at a place. And what had happened is things going on inside of them came out of them with their words. And so they look back weeks and find this guy already began to spew out this stuff out of his mouth and nobody was paying attention. It starts with words. Words are powerful. They lead to deeds every time. James's point is this thing's powerful. And the power of it, our power of our mouths, God intended that to be that way. But because in our fallen condition, we need to understand it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's what he gets at at the end of verse 5. Words can destroy everything. Can you remember the bully? You remember, go back to your school days. Some of you, I know, I'm 50. I got to think back a while. Do you remember that bully? I bet you can remember their name. I can remember Nick. He started with me. I was raised in West Gastonia, so we went to Southwest and Hunter Huss. Pretty tough back in the day. That guy was on me from Southwest, and he followed me to high school. And here's the truth. Your parents need to quit teaching your kids that you're not ever supposed to fight. We wouldn't have a memorial day if we weren't supposed to fight. Amen? Amen. There comes a good fight. And he came one day at Hunter Huss when I come back in 10th grade. And I was just about tired of being a Nick. I can still remember his breath. (laughs) You know, right up in your face, you know? Here's what he's saying. It's powerful. It's also dangerous. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Listen to what he says, verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue, here's what he's saying. The tongue is the starting point for this evil. And if you don't think that's true, remember our story. Did God really say? It all started with words. It's where it comes. It's where it begins. It is the igniter, the match that lights the flame. Listen to Proverbs 16, 27. It says this, A worthless man digs up evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. That's what James is saying. It is the fire that lights the the forest. This forest was this dry Mediterranean environment with these little scrubby brush All it takes is just one spark. We know this. We have this picture in our mind because of the forest fires we see out west, this dry, arid environment. All it takes is one careless thing. You know this is true. I ran a business for 30 years. This was the truth. One bad employee, if you don't deal with them, they they will pollute the morale of the whole place in a very short amount of time. Why? Because the tongue is like a fire. It's like a bad peach in your basket. If you don't pull it out, the whole basket's gonna go bad. This world that he's talking about of unrighteousness is this fallen world system or this fallen world view. And here's what he's saying: with our mouths, we can set the whole course of your life or somebody else's life on fire. That word means will. The course, the will of someone's existence, can be set on a desperate spiral by what you say. You speak a negative word into your child's life, and it will mark them, and it will have destructive consequences. and you will bear the judgment for, for speaking judgment into people's life. That's what he's saying. We should speak both life and discipline into our children. They need both and don't miss it. You speak only blessing, but you don't correct that child and they will curse in the next generation. They need life and discipline. That's what he's teaching us. Speak words of blessing, but you got to have some self-control in your life. And it begins by what we say. The tongue is dangerous because it can, of what it can destroy. Look at verse 6. It said it can stain The mouth stains. The tongue is set among our members. The illustration there is much like Paul. We have these members, our members of our body, but we're also, he's speaking to the church. Many members make up one church. That the tongue of just one member, right? Can stain the whole body. Can set not only up one's individual life, Like our children or our grandchildren or our spouse, it can set a whole church. It can stain. It it's like putting that, it's like Mike puts his pink shirt in the whites when he goes home. And when we get up, all our underclothes are pink. Right? Say that's what he's saying. It stains everything. That's why it's so powerful. That's why it's so dangerous. Because it it has the ability, like a fast-growing cancer, to spread to the whole body almost overnight. And listen, here's what we found out in our own convention. Sometimes silence screams. Not only do we have to watch out for what we say, we better watch out when we don't say what we need to say. we ought to speak when it's right or when it's wrong. And take what comes. Why wow. is this so dangerous? Here's what he's saying. Look, look at the end of verse 6. Because our mouths can be demonic. The mouth can be used by the devil. That's what he's saying. This... This mouth, this fire, is how is it set? He said it's set on fire by hell. In other words, angry, bitter, critical speech, words of cursings that we speak out to our children or to others are demonic. It's the same thing that the devil did, and he's always been doing. He destroys, he kills, he tears down, he never builds up. That's what he does, evil speech. Is one of the devil's children that he uses to destroy his image bearers of God. And we dare not be a part of it. The mouth can stain, the mouth can be demonic, the mouth can also poison. Look at verses 7 and 8. Every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by man. Verse 8, but no one can tame the tongue, it is restless, it's full of deadly poison it's like a cobra in a basket. Take that lid off, he's coming out. It's dangerous. It's a weapon. Proverbs 11:9 says this, "The mouth of the the mouth with his mouth the godless man would destroy his neighbor. But by knowledge the righteous are delivered." And you know this. One careless word can set your marriage back years one Christmas function with family, with that aggravating family member, you know, just that one like a dripping faucet, and you say one careless word, you can set that whole family back. Years. One idle word to a friend can set your friendship back. I've had ignorant Christian people Set me back with people that I've been laboring with the gospel to build labors and trust. And the first thing they say is, where do you go to church? See, they're going, he don't even know your name. You know, hello, my name is John. Wouldn't that be good first? Then, where do you go to church? Set me back. That one sentence set me back months with the brother that I've been working. Speak a careless word. It's true. Speak a careless word to your child. And one day when they're 50, they'll be sitting in front of a man like me, remembering that word like it was yesterday. Get it right. Get it right. Here's what I recommend. If that is stamped onto your heart, you need to let it come to the surface. And you need to write it down. And you need to bring it to Christ and the cross with another godly person that you trust. And you need to determine. You need to wail. You need to scream. You need to cry. You need to lament. And then you need to leave it at Jesus' feet and entrust it with him. Because it will not go away. Careless words are like a poison. Listen, they're like a poison. They stunt people's emotional and psychological development in their tracks they must be dealt with we must realize the power of our mouths the danger of our mouths and listen this is what he's getting at our inability he's wanting you to feel a little desperate here <laughs> that sometimes it seems like the devil is using my mouth like I'm driving to church to preach this sermon and I'm, 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 I'm talking about how stupid the person is in front of me because this person turned right and I wanted to turn left they slowed me down You're sitting there going, I I kept doing that this week. I kept saying, there it is again. There it is again. There it is again. Every time I relax. there. You see, this is what he's getting at. Sometimes we have to recognize our double-mindedness that comes out of our mouth. Verse 9. We're inconsistent oftentimes. With it, we bless the Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth. Comes blessing and cursing, he's saying and going. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It's not the way it's supposed to be. First thing I thought about when I read this is Paul in Romans 7. you remember? He's saying, I keep doing things I don't want to do, and the things I should do, I don't do. He finds this wretched man that I am. Who's going to deliver me from this thing? I mean, the only way it seems like I can't tell people off driving in front of me is to walk everywhere I go. And then I'll probably do that too. You see, in the Bible, cursing and blessing was powerful. Uh, When the patriarch was dying, you remember that? He would speak words of blessing. Even naming children, you see, they lived up or down to the name. He's saying, speak blessing. You don't know how much stress I'm under, Pastor. You don't know how aggravating my kids are. I mean, my boss is an idiot. My spouse is a bum or a nag. Job, who knew a little something about suffering, said, I have not allowed my mouth to sin invoking a curse against my enemy's life. Doesn't matter. Here's what he's getting at this morning. The origin of our words. Our deeds come from our words. Our words come from somewhere deeper. Does the spring, verse 11, bring forth the same, out of the same opening, both fresh and salt water? It's asking a question with an obvious answer. Can a fig tree bear olives? Can a grapevine have figs on it? In other words, he's saying nature is consistent. You know what to expect when you come to an apple tree or a peach. Like peach trees bring peaches. He's sitting there going, why it is with us <laughs> that out of the same person comes blessing one minute and the curse is another. How can we worship the Lord in our quiet time and then demean our spouse as we walk out the door? And they're going, this is a problem, this inconsistency. this is what he's getting at. Sinful words come from a sinful heart. It's deeper than just your deeds. It's deeper than just your words. It's deeper than just your thought life. It's in the core of who we are, there is a problem. Listen to Jesus, Mark chapter seven. I think we read this the other day, but it's, it's, it fits here too, Mark seven verse 14. Jesus called people to him again and said to him, Hear me, all you and un- understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defiles him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him what about the parable, and he said to them, Then you are also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him, since it enters not into his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. Listen to what he says. Listen to what he's saying. This is critical. From within, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts. You could say it again, from within, out of the heart of man comes sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceitful, deceit, sensuality, evil, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. You see it? He's getting, helping us get to the root of the problem. So you got to grab this this morning from the heart to the mind, to the mouth, to the hands what we're saying if you got bitterness in the core of who you are this morning because someone hurt you when you were 12 and you never forgave them and you think this time's going to heal that no it won't you are as negative and anxious as you are because there is something down in the heart at the core of who you are that has never been dealt with this is a bitter angry anxious heart it will hurt people if it's not dealt with here's what he's saying We don't need someone to come and fix our tongue. (laughs) That's what one guy says. We don't need a spiritual tongue doctor. We need a spiritual cardiologist. I like that. It means something to me, having a a man having a, a heart attack. You know, when I was out in the woods using my chainsaw, and I started sweating and getting nauseated, I was having a heart attack. You know what I didn't need? an air conditioning, and a snack. Right? What did I need? (laughs) I needed to go to the ER and find myself a doctor. That's what he's saying. There's There's a deeper problem here. And listen, only God can cleanse our hearts. Only God can purify your mouth. Only God can transform our life. And so listen today. This is important. I brought us here. I'm almost done. But let us be still and hear the word of God. Isaiah 6. Turn with me to it if you would. I want you to see it. Isaiah chapter 6. You see in Isaiah 6, just like in our world today, the world seemed like it was falling apart. And to make matters worse, their good king died in the midst of it, King Uzziah. And in the midst of a chaotic world that seemed to be falling apart around the people of God, God told Isaiah, come here, I want to show you something. He wants to show it to us too. And the foundation of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And he said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. Now grab this with me. You have watched the news and listened to the same things I had. He, in the midst of a world falling apart, he only had to see the Lord of hosts to realize his greatest problem was not the world's sin. It was his. It was his. It was me and my people. It is me and his church. We start here. That's what he wanted us to see. Don't look out there. That is not the problem. We can hear there's hope. There's hope in the midst of this because verse 6 says, And one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal, and he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. Only God can make things right. We need... Atonement. We need forgiveness. There's no one else that can offer it. Not King Uzziah in their day and not a new president in our day. What we must do is come to our faces before a holy God and admit that we have sinned, that we have fallen short, and that we need to be forgiven. And he is the only one who sent his son and died for us to make it happen. We need to be filled with the Spirit from on high. We need to be indwelled. We need to be filled. And we need to let that indwelling and that filling cultivate in us the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and temperance, self-control. This is our hope. But Don't miss this. Verse 8 says, I heard with a voice the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. And what did he tell him? Go and use your words. He redeems us. The goal of the message today, and the goal of God's word, and the goal of James is not just to, just to get you to talk nicer. That's not his point. He says, Don't ruin your witness with your mouth. But your point is to use this powerful little thing to declare that there is no other way under given under heaven by which men must be saved other than Jesus Christ and take what it cost. And when someone is hurt, we lay our lives down. I am not the only shepherd in this room. You are called. You are a kingdom of priests of God. And you are called to lay people your life down. To protect those who cannot protect themselves. We are God's people. And we do it by how we live and by how we love. And how we use our mouths to the glory of God. And so, brothers and sisters, I call you now to use your mouth. To stand to our feet and to worship our God. Let's pray. So, God. There was much still to talk about, even in this text. Here is a members' meeting to be had with both sobering news and exciting news. But God, right now, we want to worship you. We want to stand to our feet and with our mouths, these powerful little things that sometimes have got us in trouble. But Lord, we come to the cross before we come to the tables. We come to the cross. Lord, our tables are open for all who believe, but all who believe now come to the cross and say, Lord, we have sinned, forgive us, cleanse us. Lord, we thank you that even right now your children have been forgiven because Jesus is alive and sits on a throne. We know it's true. And so, Lord, we come to the tables now. As we lift our voice and words, we come to tables and with our hands we remember The work of your son, his life, his death, his resurrection, his return, our future glory. We remember it all, Lord, as we sing. So you be glorified now in everything that we say, in everything that we do, everything that we give. In Jesus' name, amen.